Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Turn the wheel. No, reverse. Reverse. Slow the down. Go kill it. Kill it. Kill the motor. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Then reverse. Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're docked now. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm your host, Keith Smith, and we are part of the Almighty Baller Podcast and Radio Network. Joining me, as always, is my buddy Pete Toll. We are back at it after a little bit of time off. I can tell you what was going on in my life. We were enjoying a little bit of family time before school starts. For those of you unfamiliar, here in Central Florida, we start school about mid-August, so we were enjoying those last little bit, fleeting bits of summer with my family. We had some family in town, so that's why we took a little bit of time off in between shows. And as I said, with me, as usual, to do another round of off-season previews is Pete Toll. Pete, I know you can't get into super deep detail, but I know you're working on a project related to basketball ball over the last couple of weeks how's mm-hmm. how's that going in general terms uh it's been actually it's it's been a lot of stress a lot of research but um i think once it's actually revealed um you know to the to the world um you know basketball fanatics will be pretty happy with the results that's all i can say <laughs> yeah well let's not get you in trouble we'll leave it at that uh, so what we're going to do today, now that we're back at it, we're going to continue with our off-season review series. If you are listening for the first time, what we do is we go in-depth on each NBA team. We're going to get into the Chicago Bulls and Cleveland Cavaliers in this episode. What we do is we go through every guy who left, every guy who's come in. We talk about all of them. Then we ask kind of a couple big questions related to the teams, talk a little bit about what kind of cap space they have left, what they might still need or still need to do. And then if they're kind of stock up or stock down as we approach this new season, and this is really just kind of compared to last year. So as I said, we're going to do the Chicago Bulls and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So we'll get right into it with the Chicago Bulls to kick us off. And let's talk about the big name who's headed out, traded at the NBA draft. Jimmy Butler traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves. So Pete, obviously Butler's an all-star talent. He has really grown from the late first round draft pick, I think 30th overall, right? And yeah. is the, you know, grew into not only an all-star, but one of the, an all-NBA player, one of the NBA's true good all-around superstar players. And there was a lot of rumors last year that 
the Bulls were going to move Butler. It started last year at the draft and then kind of continued all season long. And there were all these questions. You know, oh, he doesn't really get along with Dwayne Wade. And then he doesn't get along with Rajon Rondo. And then Butler was like, we're, we're all good. We're fine. And the Bulls, you know, made the playoffs last year, snuck into that last spot in the eighth seed. And then it turned into at the draft. The rumors just, or leading up to the draft, the rumors just didn't go away. And then Butler's former coach, Tom Thibodeau, made the big swing and went out and acquired Jimmy Butler to bring him into Minnesota. So what I want to ask you is, what is it exactly that the Bulls are losing with Jimmy Butler headed out of town? In my opinion, one of the best two-way players. Uh, he's right behind Kawhi Leonard for me in the NBA. So you obviously cannot replace that easily if you're the Chicago Bulls. And and what's funny to me is, if I remember correctly, and, and Keith, you know this more than I do, but didn't they have the same deal in the prior draft when Chris Dunn was rumored to have been drafted? I, I think the pick was up in the air, um, and then Levine was on the table. Um, you know, the same kind of structured deal for Jimmy Butler, possibly, when that rumor was kind of going down. Yeah, that, um, was, that was definitely out there, and I know it was also out there that – they were potentially looking at the Bull, or rather the Bulls were looking at the Celtics drafting Chris Dunn and then doing a swap at that time. So the Bulls have obviously had their eyes on Chris Dunn for the better part of a year plus now. And then mm-hmm. it turned, kind of turned into, it, it didn't go anywhere, right? It is um, right. ultimately there. But yeah, I think you're right. Now it, you know, we're sitting here a year later and the, the, the rumored deal at the time ended up being what actually happened. Yeah, and it's funny with with Butler because everybody kind of went crazy like, well, that's all you got for Jimmy Butler. And, yes, in my opinion, just as well as everybody else, um, it was not a good trade for the Bulls. Um, I think they could have got a little bit more. But what Butler um, brings ultimately, the the ultimate answer is you're not going to be able to replace any of that with what they've got in return, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, that's the tough thing, you know, and like we said, we go through the guys who are out first and we'll get into it. So plenty to come on Chris Don and Zach Levine and, and those kind of things. So we will, we will definitely get into that, um, as we get deeper into the show, but let's move on to the next guy on the list. We, we generally kind of go by big names or alphabetical order. So we're going to step out of alphabetical order. We're going to go to the next guy on the list, Rajon Rondo. So he was brought in on what was functionally a one year deal. With the Bulls, his second year, which would have been this season, the 17-18 season, was partially guaranteed for $3 million. The Bulls, after Butler was traded and not really doing much else in the free agent market, I think realized, all right, let's move on from Rondo as well. Despite Rondo playing well down the stretch and then in the playoffs before he got injured, but they ate that $3 million. Rondo subsequently signed with the New Orleans Pelicans. So Rondo out of the picture, that's one of, I don't know, what, 30 point guards on this roster? <laughs> the third mm-hmm. point, you're only allowed to have 20, and yet somehow the Bulls have 30, it feels like. But it's, uh, you know, Rondo's out of the picture now. So what, what, did, what are your feelings about Rondo? I know we're not on the Pelicans, but do you think Rondo can still be a productive starting point guard in the NBA at this point? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, he did well um, at the beginning of the season for the Bulls, and then the mind games kind of happened back and forth. You know, obviously he has uh, kind of a, you know, loose cannon type personality. Him and Fred Hoiberg clashed, um, and then he was in and out of the lineup. Um, I would say based on the fit 
where he is with the Pelicans, that's his last shot. Um, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. That's his last shot. Yeah, um, you know, and, and like I said, we're not on the Pelicans show yet. We, we will get there, I promise. But it really is with them, it is that they are – they're going to start him as the reports. He's going to start a point guard with Drew Holiday sliding over to the two, which is not really new for the Pelicans. They did that quite a bit over the last couple of seasons due to mm-hmm. the myriad of injuries that they've had. But it'll be interesting to see for me if, if he can't get it done now, then, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure where Rondo is at. And I don't know that he has the temperament to be a backup. I think no. if it turns, uh-huh. yeah, right. <laughs> I think if it turns into Rondo's going to be a backup, I think then it becomes time for Rondo to move on and move out and become a coach, which seems like a direction he he's kind of interested in going. So, so that that's the story on Rondo. Now the rest of these guys, we're going to kind of just knock them out in alphabetical order because they all are roughly the same in my opinion. Isaiah Canaan, he or Cannon, I guess he was. um Waived 200k cap hit for him. He hasn't caught on anywhere as of yet. He is really at this point, he's just kind of a third combo-ish guard. I know you have a lot of feelings on Cannon from his time with the 76ers, <laughs> who are your team. So give us a little bit of your thoughts on Cannon and what his future might be in the league. Um, he can shoot from three, but he's undersized. He's more, he cannot run the point guard spot. So he's more of a very undersized shooting guard. Um, he doesn't defend very well. So um, he's kind of in that, and I don't really want to compare him and Jimmer Fredette, but it's kind of off the top of my head. It's only the, like, really um, comparison that I can think of as far as, um, you know, a really above average three-point shooting and nothing else um, because Cannon can't handle the ball well. He doesn't facilitate very well. Um, I could see Cannon – you know, possibly getting like a very end of the bench deal with like Minnesota or something like that. But um it's going to be hard. He's going to be one that I could see very easily, like the flurry of deals that have happened over the last two weeks, you know, lots of guys signing in China. I can see that happen. If he went overseas, I think he'd have a huge year overseas. I think in the NBA, he's really, he's that, He's your third guard, which is really what he was with Chicago. And then a mm-hmm. third point guard, I should say, not your third guard, because he's not, he's not that good to be that kind of combo guy first off. <laughs> no. But, you know, then he played well in the playoffs when Rondo went down, which is funny because he's, he's really a street shooter. So when he gets in there, he will really start. You know, all of a sudden it's like, man, Cannon's a player. You're like, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, Cannon, he can't play. So, you know, so that's kind of, kind of where it's at with him. So, so we'll see, you know, what happens. Um, you know, is, uh, you know, ultimately where, where it goes, um, from, from there, um, with him. So we're going to move on to the next guy. This guy certainly has point guard size. Um, just does, doesn't really have a lot of point guard ability anymore, and that's Michael Carter Williams. So Carter Williams, another one of those, you know, infinite Bulls point guards. He is now headed off to the Charlotte Hornets, as we covered in the Hornets in, in one of our recent episodes before our little break. We both, I think, Carter Williams will be okay for Charlotte, but in Chicago, mm-hmm. where there was no shooting around him, he was awful. 
because he can't shoot at all and he needs space he needs you know the floor opened up for him to make plays you know so i I think it was the right move by the bulls to let him go as well as i think it was the right move on carter williams to move on any thoughts on that um just that i think that he'll be a good defender for with his size um you know against guards um you know in, in small backup minutes you know for the hornets but yeah that's about it on carter williams yeah, there's, there's just not much to be said, right? Um, there. So then we'll move on to Joffrey Laverne. He was a restricted free agent. The Bulls ultimately, I believe, pulled his qualifying offer. Uh, all right. I know that they did. Then they let him go. He signed with the San Antonio Spurs, two year minimum deal in San Antonio, which probably automatically means Joffrey, Joffrey Laverne will be awesome. And we'll all be talking about him as a $10 million guy this time next summer when he opts out of that second year and becomes a free agent, just because that's what happens when the Spurs acquire bigs. So, um, yeah, but with the Bulls, he just, he wasn't part of anything there. They, they didn't need him. He wasn't, you know, going to do anything, um, for them. So, you know, so we're going to move on to two, two guys who they have not left yet, but they're pending free agents still. So let's, let's talk to kind of simpler situation first. Anthony Morrow, veteran guy, still, still a good shooter, can still, you know, make shots off the bench. He's not going to return to Chicago because as we're about to get into when we get into what they might look like this year, he's going to want to play for a better team. But ultimately, Morrow is a guy who's still out there in the free agent market. I think he may be a guy when we get into camp or we get into the beginning part of the season, he may still be a free agent and then catch on with somebody after. I agree. Yeah, I just think he's a guy, he's going to be a little more choosy about his spot, and we'll wait till the team's like, hey, we need a shooter, go get him. So, so you already said you agree on that one. So let's move on to the more interesting one. Nikola Miritich, still a restricted free agent with the Bulls. He's just kind of been hanging out there. He is sitting on the Bulls cap sheet right now with a almost $11 million cap hold, $10.9 million. The Bulls are, you know, without getting too deep into what we'll talk about in a few minutes, they're still operating as an over-the-cap team, so so that's not really impacting anything with with Miritich sitting there as, with that $11 million cap hold. But what he is, he obviously is not, the Bulls have not come with an offer that he's happy with. Cap space is dried up around the league, so no other team's gonna come with it with a offer that the Bulls wouldn't immediately match. The most cap space sitting available right now is uh let's see, Phoenix has about twelve million and Philadelphia has about twelve million, but Phoenix they're not gonna sign Miritich with the plethora of forwards that they have. And Philadelphia is saving that cap space to really do something towards um, bringing, renegotiating and extending Robert Covington is, is the assumption there. So we'll be curious to see where that one goes. So there's no suitors left to sign Miritich because then the next, then you're into guy teams with 7 million, 4 million, and the Bulls would immediately match that. So there's no sense on him signing one of those deals. So what I'm going to do here, Pete, is I'm going to ask you, does he get some sort of long-term, and by long-term I mean a two- or three-year deal with Chicago, or do you think he ultimately just says, forget it, I'll sign the qualifying offer and be an unrestricted free agent in the summer of 2018? I think they go qualifying offer, and I think that's actually what's, in my mind, what Chicago is kind of trying to force because they did come out and say they wanted to keep small deals. Um, and then if you look at the season that Miritich had last season, um, very down year, um, he shot 41% field goal percentage and then his 
you know, bread and butter is the three point line and he only shot 34%. Um, and he does not defend, um, in the post or on the perimeter. Um, so that's a, a lot to kind of gamble with if, if you're Chicago and, and you're trying to go the route that they're going in a, in a, you know, rebuild sense. Um, and then look at, you know, smaller deals. I just don't know that they're convinced, um, that Miritich can give them really what they're looking for. And then they, they got, uh, Lori Markinen as well. So it's kind of like the same player, um, you know, in, in my mind. Yeah, it, it is interesting, and we're definitely going to talk about marketing in here in a minute. I will say with Miritich is, you know, as you know, I'm fond of saying, this guy takes the worst shots in the NBA, but then he makes so many of them that you start to mm-hmm. be like, I, maybe it wasn't so bad. I don't, I don't know. You know, you start to question how much you know, you know about evaluating things sometimes when you watch him. He certainly hasn't been the player I think the Bulls thought he would be when they were holding on to his draft rights. There was all this kind of talk of this guy was going to come back and be a you know world you know, or not come back but come over and be a world beater and all this and then he was pretty good his first year and then kind of struggled from there after I think his team's really kind of figured out all right he can't put it on the deck at all so you're really just going to stay in his face but he's still a functional guy because he really is a true stretch for so there is a home for him so I think it ultimately what probably makes the most sense is he should just sign the qualifying offer. Now his qualifying offer is at 7.2 million. He's unlikely to get that out, out as we just talked on the, on the market from anybody. So for me is, I think it makes sense. Just sign that qualifying offer, be an unrestricted free agent next summer and see where that takes you. Nothing to say next summer. You can't sign a long-term deal with the bulls. If that's the direction they want to go. Right, and if he has a good year, he can actually up his value some more. So. Yeah. yeah, and there's really, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about it here. There's there's nothing to keep him from having a good <laughs> year, you know, yeah. in front of him with the Bulls. There, there just isn't, you know, with, with the way their forward uh, position is setting up. So so let's get into to next year. So what, what, what the Bulls are looking at. So let's start with what they got in return in the trade for Jimmy Butler. So the big name is Zach Levine. He comes over, then Chris Dunn. So those were the two two established NBA players. And then they swapped first-round draft picks. They ended up, the Bulls got the seventh pick in the draft and drafted Lowry Markinen, the big man from Arizona. Um, he is a stretch four slash five, probably more four than five at this point and can really step out and knock it down from deep. But but I want to start with Zach Levine. Let's start there because he's the, he's the big name. He's the potential star in this trade. So so Levine unfortunately missed about a quarter of last season, maybe, maybe closer to a half. He went down with a torn ACL. He was He was kind of the guy who I think, in my opinion, had always been the outside looking in of that young Timberwolves core. It was really, they, they'd built around Carl Anthony Towns and then Andrew Wiggins seemed to be clearly the second guy. And then it was, is it Levine? Is it Ricky Rubio? Is it whoever comes in next? And they obviously had the opportunity here to acquire Jimmy Butler, who moves right into the, I would say he's probably slightly behind Towns in the franchise priority pecking order, but only slightly. So Levine, you know, that's obviously a trade up for the Timberwolves. So what do you think? Let's assume he comes back fully healthy, and all reports are sounds like he he will. I would assume the Bulls will take it somewhat slow with him, um, for reasons we'll discuss a little bit later. Just namely, no no shocker here, they're not going to be very good. Um, but it is 
with with Levine? What, what do you think he's going to bring to the Bulls? Uh, scoring, um, first and foremost. He averaged 19 points before his injury. He only played 47 games in 2016-2017 because of the ACL tear. Um, but, you know, he shot about close to 39% from three. Um, with him, I know his rookie season, Sam Mitchell tried to work, who was then the, the um, interim coach for Minnesota, tried to work on getting him acclimated at the point guard spot to help him work on his ball handling, help him create situations. Um, that's what I'd like to see him work on the most in Chicago, just trying to, um, you know, facilitate for others, kind of take that next step other than just be a scorer. Um, and then, of course, like every other young player, um, he's only 21. I don't know that he turns – I think he turns uh, – no, he's, he just turned uh, 22, I'm sorry, um, in March. Um, he has to learn to defend. And luckily for him, the Chicago team is not going to be very good. So it doesn't matter if he defends or not. Um, but I'd, I'd like to see him work on that end of the floor. Um, and there's a guy on the team that we'll talk about in just a little bit that I think is going to be able to help him, um, even though he hasn't played in the league very much, that has good defensive instincts as well, um, that might be able to help his kind of progression. Yeah, you know, I'll say with Levine, too, is the Wolves kind of messed around with him in the beginning, as they should have because they weren't good, so they were trying to find out what they had in these guys. And they played mm-hmm. him at point guard quite a bit, so he does have some good point guard-ish skills. I think we've realized now he's not a point guard and he never mm-hmm. will be, but I think it is, it's always good to have that guy who's a secondary creator. And I think Levine can be that, you know, he, he's never going to be your primary creative for create for others guy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. He can create for himself better, but he can create for others a little, which is good. You know, and I think that gives them someone who can really help with alongside the guy who I I am now saying I'm gonna assume is at least the point guard of the the near future, and that's Chris Dunn, who they got in this trade. Dunn came to the Wolves out of Providence last year. I'm familiar with Chris Dunn through the fact that one of my old high school teachers, Ed Cooley, is the head coach at Providence College. So I've you know really followed Dunn's career quite a bit and he you know was excellent at Providence and really struggled in his rookie year with Minnesota. Really really had a hard time offensively. But he gets after it defensively. He's extremely competitive, really tough kid. I think if he can figure things out, and I think this year is going to be big for him as a second year where he can really come in and kind of get in there. And what he, what ended up happening with him a lot with Minnesota, he played on second units with not a lot of great talent around him. So I think he ended up forced to be trying to do too much. Now, if you look at the Bulls roster, which I'm looking at their depth chart right in front of me, it's not, it's ugly. It's no better than those second <laughs> units in Minnesota. But I think it's now, it's, this team, this Bulls team is clearly in a rebuilding phase. So I think for Dunn, he's going to have that ability to really kind of let the game come to him a little bit more. What are your thoughts on Chris Dunn and is he the future point guard for the Chicago Bulls? Um, my thoughts on Chris Dunn, exactly what you said. He's more of a defender right now than he is off, you know, an offensive type player. Um, but you know this because obviously following Providence, he started out slow at Providence. Um, he didn't really come on, um, until 2014, 2015. Um, and then just kind of, you know, took off from there. He's always been a good passer. And I think that's where he's going to be able to help this pools team get guys involved, things like that. 
Um, he's never going to be, you know, a 16 to 20 point scorer. I don't think in the league, um, but he can give you a solid, you know, 10 to 12 points every night where, where his focus would be more on the defensive end of the floor. Um, I'd like to see him kind of knock down, like get a little bit more sure when he drives the lane. Um, I noticed, you know, watching Minnesota, he likes to pull up in the mid range for the, like little floaters, things like that. I'd like to see him kind of either settle for a three, which I think he can make the, the three point shot, um, or get all the way to the rim and try to get contact and get fouled there. Um, but I think going forward, he has the most potential out of, and this is bad to say, cause as we talk, more of the point guards, there's not not a whole lot to be excited about, um, you know, as far as Chicago. But I think he's the best point guard that Chicago has right now. So he kind of has to be uh, who they're looking at to be the franchise guy, you know, going forward. Yeah, so let's get into that for a minute because I think that's a, an interesting conversation to have here because we're not necessarily going to talk them at any other point in the show because they're not new additions to the team. But the Bulls mm-hmm. still have Jerry and Grant who he was acquired in the Derrick Rose trade at this time last year. And there was some thought of, well, maybe Jerry Grant is the point guard, you know, of the future. He'll be coming in behind Rajon Rondo. Maybe he'll be the guy who moves in to that point guard of the future. Before we're even through last year, that's he's buried on the bench and not really part of things. And now you've got Cameron Payne, who they went out. The Bulls gave up Doug McDermott. Taj Gibson and a pick to get Cameron Payne and then proceeded to say Payne came in and he, he did nothing for the Bulls. Then he played in, I believe it was only one summer league game and didn't look good. And then they, they pulled him out of there and now he's there and it's kind of this confusing mix where it's Dunn and Payne and Grant. Do you, so, so you just said same thing. You think Dunn is, is in there. Are Payne and Grant ever going to be anything beyond even decent backup point guards, or are they not even that? Grant's, you know, the prototypical third-string point guard. I just don't think that he has what it takes to run a team consistently, um, especially on the first unit. They found Chicago found that out quickly. Um, and then the second unit's even shaky because he's so inconsistent. Um, one night, you know, he can knock down, you know, three, four threes, and the next he's – you know, hitting a stretch of four games where it's over 11 from three. And it's just like, you know, in this day and age, if you can't facilitate or knock down threes as, as a point guard, there, there's a, no real need. Um, and then Cameron Payne, I kind of gave him a pass um, getting to Chicago because of, of having the foot injury in Oklahoma City. And I said, okay, I'll give him a chance. You know, he's only 22. He's still young. But just his body language just seems like he just doesn't really care what's happening out there. And and I don't get it because this is his chance to kind of take the reins, show everybody kind of the swagger he had in Oklahoma City where he thought he should be on the floor more. And now he gets that chance and he's just he's not shooting well from from three. He doesn't take very many, um, you know, two point shots as as half of his attempts were from three. And he doesn't even look to really try to get to the free throw line. And when he does, he's not that great shooting it there either. So I don't know. It's kind of a an iffy situation with Cameron Payne because if, if you look at him as possibly switching him to shooting guard too, um, 
you know, get some minutes there. There's some other good options in Chicago. So I don't know really where he's going to fit. Yeah, you know, I didn't like that trade at the time, and I don't really like it anymore now. So that's, you know, if you look at it, couldn't they use McDermott this year? Yeah. I mean, you know, McDermott provides outside shooting. He's a small forward. It balances better on the roster. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't get that whole, whole ordeal. And if Cameron Payne's not careful, Cameron Payne is, is, you know, potentially out of the league in another year or two. Well, and, and as folks who know me know, I fall in love with these certain guys as young prospects, uh, paging Thomas Robinson, anybody. <laughs> and Doug McDermott is one of those guys. I just think Doug McDermott's going to be a good NBA player. Once a team figures out how to use him, I think he can be a stretch four now in the league. And I think that's ultimately where he should land and what he should be. And it's, you know, just one of those things where it's, you know, I, I just, yeah, I hated the trade when it happened. I, I like it even less now because like, as you said, they could use McDermott, you know, Gibson would be gone no matter what. So that part of it right. is whatever, but then they threw in a pick, which that was just, you know, silly, but, but let's, let's, let's keep it moving forward here with this team. So Laurie Markinen, he comes in, he, as we said, he was drafted. They swapped picks just to close the book on the deal. The Timberwolves used the swap to draft Justin Patton, who is subsequently he's hurt. I believe it's a broken foot for Justin Patton, if I remember correctly. So we, we haven't seen him on the floor. And it's more of a project pick for the Wolves. But for the Bulls, Markinen put played in summer league. You know, he did okay. He was not he he looked good at times. At other times he didn't do do much to, you know, inspire confidence in, you know, what he might be. He let, let's see, I'm pulling it up now. Average fourteen points over three summer league games, shot just twenty four percent from the floor. He he took thirteen thirteen point six shots a game and eight point three of them were three pointers. Um, yeah. shot only twenty nine percent overall from the field, but did grab nine rebounds, blocked one point six shots per game, you know, so showed showed a little bit more there than I think some folks thought. Markin is a guy I didn't I didn't have a great handle on him coming into the draft. I was just afraid he wouldn't be able to do enough defensively. But if he can block shots a little bit like that, that starts to really change the equation. Uh, I, I just don't see him as a shot blocker because he shied away from contact at Arizona. Um, didn't really look to get on the block very well. And like you said, most of his attempts come from three-point um, territory, and he really likes to spot up. I mean, he has the ability to come off screens, but like I said earlier, that's already what uh, Nico Miritich does, so I just don't get that selection. I just, if I was Chicago, I would have went Dennis Smith um, or somebody in that range rather than than Lori Markinen. And the the even worse thing, and I, and I had to chuckle to myself, is before the start of the first summer league game that Markinen played in, his jersey is spelled wrong. So the team <laughs> doesn't even have confidence in him to spell his name right. It's like... Oh no. Yeah, that's, uh, that's tough. <laughs> I just, uh, his struggle is going to be strength, um, just to narrow it down. Strength and then consistency with his confidence because is it going to weigh on him with the losing? Because Chicago's going to lose. Anybody that's listening to Chicago fans, I'm sorry, but your team's not going to be, uh, you know, very successful. Um, and you know, where is he going to be if he goes through a stretch of, you know, 
two for 14 shooting? You know, is he going to be able to bounce back quickly and, and get that back? Because if he's not shooting from three and consistently getting looks, he doesn't really do anything else to keep himself on the floor. Now, I will say one thing to be really fair is he just turned 20. So, mm-hmm. you know, and that just by just turned 20, just turned 20 in May. So he'll be 20 for the entirety of this NBA season. So, you know, so you got, you got to give him a little bit of time there to go. And then the free agent that the Bulls brought in, Justin Holiday, who spent, you know, kind of had a cup of coffee with the Bulls, uh, earlier. And he was again part of that Derrick Rose trade. And then the, the Bulls brought him back here two years, nine million dollars is what they signed him for. Holiday, it's funny because I think we all assume, well, wherever Drew goes, that's where Justin's going. And then that's not mm-hmm. how it bared out. And probably for the best for Justin because I don't think he would have got that kind of money uh, from the Pelicans after Drew resigned there. But Holiday's a, a, you know, he's, he's more of a guard than a forward, but he's, you know, kind of a shooter. Um, I liked him with the Knicks. I thought he did really well with New York this year as he got more of a featured bench role. And I think that's probably the role he plays with the Bulls going forward this season. He is probably, you know, he, he's probably going to swing between the two and the three really as a true wing. Um, might be able to play in some lineups alongside Don and Levine to open up the floor a little bit with his shooting. So, you know, it's nothing that you're not going to jump out of your seat all excited about Justin Holiday, but this is a good, solid signing. Yeah, I agree. And he really got his chance um, to really shine when it was in summer league a couple years ago when Steve Kerr was kind of coaching. He kind of took over that team and, and was kind of the one that um, led them you know, and scoring a couple games and, and things like that and got the opportunity. And he did well, like you said, in New York last year, really got the opportunity to get minutes, 20 minutes a game, um, 35% shooting from three, um, but it was New York. So I think his numbers go up a little bit slightly, you know, as far as shooting the ball. Um, but I also think he looks to create his offense more, um, getting to the rim, things like that, that he didn't show as much. In New York, I think he does that in Chicago um, this year. And I actually think that he plays um, quite a bit um, at the three more than um, he does it at the two. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I think they're, if they're missing anything on this roster right now, it's a, it's a true three-man. That's, mm-hmm. that's just something the Bulls don't really have other than maybe Denzel Valentine. And, you know, other than that, there's definitely minutes open there. So let's move on to a player that they re-signed, Cristiano Felicio. The Bulls re-signed him for four years, $32 million. It was one of the very early on agreed-to contracts. He was a restricted free agent. My thought was the Bulls maybe jumped the gun a little bit. It's not a bad contract, so so I don't want to want to make it out like this was a mistake because Felicio, he is, let me pull it up here, he is 20, 25 years old, just turned 25 in July, so you know he, he should be fine for the duration of that contract. But where I was getting at that they jumped the gun a little was they, they didn't need to sign him right away. I think they were afraid some other team might come in with a restricted free agent offer, whether it be a team like the Nets or the 76ers or somebody, and throw more money than they were then comfortable matching at Felicio. So I think they jumped and said, you know, hey, let's get this guy signed. But $8 million for a guy who's a quality backup, he, he can play a little bit of the four, but he's much more of a five. Um, he, I, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I mean, he can 
he can defend a little bit. He rebounds. That's more of his, his forte. Uh, he doesn't, he hasn't played a ton of minutes, but he doesn't really need to. But I think now, um, depending on what, you know, Chicago does as the season progresses with a guy like Robin Lopez, you know, if they decide because he's a vet, maybe they move him or something towards the deadline, he might get a real opportunity to get substantial minutes and could really kind of have a breakout second half of the season. Um, and, and why not? I mean, reward the guy for, for the last couple of years in Chicago. Um, I know that Atlanta was someone that was rumored early on to possibly be going after him, but I mean, based on the big man market that was out there, they could have done a lot worse. Um, a la Charlotte Hornets, but, um, you know, I think with, with, uh, Cristiano, I think that he gets a, a really good chance to show what he can do this season and, and it's going to surprise a lot of fans that don't have not normally watched Chicago. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that there's a good chance we're not going to spend a lot of time on him because he's not new to the team, but I think there's a good chance Robin Lopez doesn't finish the season with the Bulls because mm-hmm. he, he's really quite frankly too good to be on a rebuilding team. <laughs> so I think it doesn't make sense for them. So I think that could be one of those positions where it could really open up a lot of time, potentially even the starting spot for Felicio. And it wouldn't surprise me if he, you know, with somewhere in the twenty five to twenty eight maybe even 30 minute per game if all of a sudden you've got a guy who's averaging close to double figures and rebounds and you know doing doing some things like that it would would not shock me at any rate you know and good on the bulls because the bulls this is a guy who he went undrafted in 2014 he was not anybody by any means who really tore it up in the in the uh overseas leagues you know he he was good but he wasn't wasn't amazing he had played you know primarily in brazil and the Bulls really kind of, I'm going to call it what it is, they really kind of found him and said, you know, hey, we'll bring this guy in and give him a shot. And then he, you know, has, has, you know earned, he earned that, you know, $8 million a year contract from the Bulls. So uh, to close it out, they, a couple couple more, more minor additions. David Mwaba, who was waived by the LA Lakers as they were clearing cap space to do their offseason maneuvers. The Bulls waiver claimed him. I like it. These are the things you should do when you can. And you've got roster spots and cap space. Why not? It's not going to cost you anything. At worst, you know, you eat a little bit of money for bringing a guy like that to camp. We don't need to spend a lot of time on it. And then they are one of the few teams that has filled both of their two-way deals. They signed Ryan Archie Diacono, who, if you remember back to Villanova's runs in the NCAA tournament, he was a big part of that. And then Antonio Blakeney, another guy who they signed. Blakeney, he's one of the few guys who signed a two-year, two two-way contract, which is not something we've seen a lot of. He he did that um, there. So those two guys are now slated to be the two-way contracts. As a reminder, just the educational component of the show, the two-way contract guys, so Archie Diacono and Blakeney for, for the Bulls, they can spend up to 40 days on the NBA roster, or 45 days, excuse 40 or 45? 45. 45. Yeah, 45. Um, see, I'm a little out of touch, man. I took a week off, and now I'm forgetting <laughs> stuff. I'm getting That's what off. happens. That's I all know, right. right? Um, so 45 days on the NBA roster, but that only counts during the G League season. So – They'll be with the Bulls all the way through camp. They'll be on the roster for the early part of the year. They they might even get in a game or two here and there. But then once the G League season starts, that 45-day clock 
kicks in. And that's not just games. That's days with the NBA team. So practices, days off, all that, it all counts. Then once the G League season ends, that clock ends and the two-way guys can come back up to the team. They are not eligible for the playoffs unless they are converted and signed into a full um, regular NBA contract. There's all timing on the last dates that those kind of things can happen as we get into the season. So so it's the, the new thing in the NBA is these new two-way contracts. We'll see you know how they work out. We'll see if teams stick with the guys they sign there, if they cycle different guys through those. It's going to be really interesting to see how that works out as we get into it. But now we're going to get into our question portions with the Chicago Bulls. So news has broken recently. Nick Friedle of ESPN Chicago broke that the Bulls and Dwayne Wade are expected to complete a buyout soon, I guess is the best way to put it, or in the coming weeks. Um, doesn't sound like either side is in any kind of rush to do this, but also does not sound like either side is committed to this being a long-term marriage that lasts anywhere deep into the season. So Pete, the question I'm going to ask you on Wade is, because I think we're both going to be in agreement that this makes sense for both sides. So the question I want to ask is, where does Dwayne Wade go from here? Well, I think obviously he's got emotional ties to Miami um, first and foremost, but his buddy LeBron is in Cleveland. Uh, those two basically are the only two that I've seen rumored for him. Um, if I had to kind of do a, um, you know, kind of toss up, I think he kind of really wants to close it out. Um, not knowing how many years he has left, I think he wants to close it out in Miami. Um, so I think that's where he would go, would be the Miami Heat. Yeah, you know, that one wouldn't, wouldn't overly surprise me. The, the thing where I would start to wonder is, if you're the Heat, obviously you, you'd, you'd redo that, you know, and bring him back and, you know, run it, run it back in effect. But, you know, they've got the on waiters who they just committed big money to. Tyler Johnson, Josh Richardson, Wayne Ellington, Rodney Magruder. Those guys at this point, to me, they're all better options. You know, at that shooting guard spot. So I'd hate to see them bring Wade in and then feel like they have to play him. So for me, I think it's more likely he goes somewhere where he can play and be on a contender. And that's why I think, you know, Cleveland, if LeBron's still around and what we're going to get into the Cavs as our next team on this same episode, I think that would make sense. I could even see him potentially going to Houston. Um, you know, I, I think that would make some sense. Um, you know, there is just catching on as a minimum signee, um, with the Rockets and stepping in and playing, uh, you know, some backup minutes. I, Cause I think he's willing to be a backup at this point in his career, but it's going to have to be on a really good team. If it's not a really good team, he's not going to be a backup. That's just not, not going to happen. So, so I'll, I'll be curious. And then of course, you know, you'll have any number of teams, you know, may, could, could he follow Jimmy Butler to Minnesota? They, they have need for guys who can score the ball off the bench. You know, we're, the Nuggets made a run at him too last Nuggets year. Did, yeah, now, if I was the Nuggets, would sit with Gary Harris and Jamal Murray, you're just fine. <laughs> I would too. You know, but... There's no reason to mess around with Dwayne Wade. But, you know, or what, what about a team like New Orleans and re- reconnect with Rajon Rondo? Um, you know, there, there's definitely teams that could still use him where I think he, he could help. Uh, so it'll be curious to see where that one goes. So then our, then my next question is, um, and I think we touched on this a little bit, so I'm just going to confirm. Dunn starts over pain, right? We're both in agreement on that one. Correct. Yep. yep. And then it's shooting guard. So let's assume Dwayne Wade is on the, on the Bulls to start the year and Zach Levine is back and healthy. Who starts? 
I think Wade starts with Levine, you know, kind of still rehabbing. Yeah. Um, in, in a sense, even though he's healthy, he's still going to, you know, kind of ease into minutes. Now, once, just say hypothetically, Wade is, is bought out and Levine is not quite ready to start the season, then that's where we kind of get dicey because yeah. you've got, you know, Valentine, you've got Holiday, um, you know, both there you know, as options. And I think Valentine may end up getting the, the nuts there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they do if that is a, the situation. I, for for the record, I'm in agreement with you. I think Wade starts and they bring Levine on slowly with the idea of Wade's not there to end the year and then Levine slides in and becomes the starting shooting guard going mm-hmm. forward for the Bulls. So where are the Bulls left now? Like I said, they're still functioning as, a, as an over-the-cap team. That is mostly due to the big cap hold for Nikola Mirotich, as I mentioned before, almost $11 million, plus they have a $15.3 million trade exception, which counts against the salary cap if you're functioning as an over-the-cap team, as it does for the Bulls. That's really what takes them over the cap. If they wanted to, they could go as much as $25 million under. That's if they Miritich went elsewhere, they let Morrow go, and then they lost those trade exception uh, for Butler. And then they have a smaller one of about $1.6 million for Tosh Gibson. Then they would lose those, and then they would have the ability to be an under the cap team and do you know whatever else it is they want to do in terms of free agency but you know that's not where we're at right now it seems like they're content i i do think they're going to get something worked out with miritich that seems to be the the big order of business still left um for them he he seems to be the big one um if not him they really need it need some other big on the roster. They're covered at center with Lopez and Felicio, but the power forwards right now, Bobby Portis and Markinen, I think you'd want some form of veteran in that mix if you could could get it. It's just there, there's no one. Thomas Robinson. <laughs> Thomas. Well, yeah, but that's the answer to any team that needs a big. Fan. <laughs> yeah, we, we love yeah. Thomas Robinson. We're gonna do a whole episode sometime where we just break down why Thomas <laughs> Robinson's not. Uh, I think we should. Star. Um, you know, and then they they they've got three point seven million left of the non-taxpayer mid-level exception. They still have the biannual exception now. They would lose the biannual if for some reason they go under the cap. Um, but that's going to close us out with the Bulls. Minus one question left, and we talked before the show, so I know we're in agreement, but I'm going to go first on this one, and then you go first on the Cavs. We do stock up or stock down. Stock down for the Bulls, for me, stock down all the way to the point they finish with the worst record in the NBA. Wow. Um, I might have to get behind that one because I, I kind of had a toss up between, um, Chicago and, and Brooklyn for the worst record in the East. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to go with you. They have the worst record in the East and I don't want to get into the whole tangent, but please hopefully somehow, some way, um, you know, Gar Foreman and, and, you know, John Paxson are, are not there in the next year or two and, um, you know, the franchise can get back on track because it's just been a mess. Yeah, I, he knows me. I will never advocate for people to lose a job, but 
it's time to go in a different direction there. I mean, the mm-hmm. fans are hanging billboards now that they, what was it, we don't see red anymore. You only want, right. you want to see these guys go. So, you know, so that's the, the, the tough spot there. So, so we're going to pause now before we move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Just to remind you, this is the NBA front office show. I am your host, Keith Smith. We are part of the Almighty Ballard Network, both podcast and radio side here. You can find the episode wherever you're listening to it right now, but if you're looking for other ways, you can find us on Stitcher and TuneIn and all those great places in addition to iTunes. I'm going to ask now and I will ask again at the end of the show. If you enjoy the show, please head over to wherever your favorite place is and give us a five-star rating and review. It really does help the show. Um, you know, it grow. It'll help put a little bit of money in Pete and I's pocket eventually so that we can continue to keep doing this and bringing all this great content to you. If you enjoy the show, you know, do us a solid and help. I promise you we will never inundate you with ads. And once, once we get there, we won't ask uh, more than once or twice a show, um, for you to do that for us. So that, that would be a big, huge help to us, um, there. So once again, this is the NBA front office show, part of the Almighty Baller Network. And now we're going to move into the Cleveland Cavs. Cavaliers, the defending Eastern Conference champion Cavaliers, they they fell in the NBA Finals to the juggernaut, unstoppable Golden State Warriors. And so what we're going to do, we're going to get right into it. The guys who are out in Cleveland, none of them really matter. It's Dante Jones, James Jones, Darren Williams, and Derek Williams. Now, Dante Jones, that's just whatever. I don't, I don't even know why they did that again at the end of this past season. Brought him back. I think it's just to be an agitator when they play Golden State. James Jones, he's actually the Suns' new assistant general manager, so something tells me he's not coming back um, there. <laughs> and then Darren Williams, he did okay for, for them after catching on as a buyout player. And awful he, in the playoffs. He, he was awful in the playoffs. That is definitely true, which is probably why he's not back. And then Derek Williams, who, you know, Derek Williams, he's just, he's another one of those guys I like. I, I feel like Derek Williams can play and he had a good solid run with the Knicks for a while. Then he signed with the Heat. They kind of caught in the shuffle in Miami and Miami did him a solid and waved him. He caught on with the Cavs, gave the Cavs decent minutes here and there, but you know, he still hasn't caught on with another team and that tells you. Oh, go ahead. Rumor is they may want to bring him back. Yeah. And I, and I've seen that recently. I just, I don't know where the roster room is. For them, yeah. for them to do that as we get into the guys they kind of re-signed and then brought back. So that, that becomes the challenge there. But, you know, Williams could do worse, I guess, than re-upping with the, uh, with the Cavs. So, you know, so let's get into the guys who came in. And this is, again, it's a short list. You didn't lose a lot of guys, so it's a short list. But, you know, we're, we're bearing the lead here a little bit. There's other things to talk about with Cleveland that we'll get into in a minute here. But first thing they did, they re-signed Kyle Korver. Three years, $22 million. That last year is only partially guaranteed. It is partially guaranteed for a little over $3.4 million out of $7.5 million total. So really not, not an overly big thing. Now, Korver keeps himself in incredible shape. He continues to be the single best three-point shooter in the NBA. And I will tell you, I don't think it's particularly close still. Um, that's not to say there's not other good shooters, but Corver's ridiculous. I, I, you know, I think people sleep on it. So, well, I'm going to, I'm going to pull up his numbers, Pete, real quick, but you go ahead and talk about what re-signing Corver does for the, uh, for the, um, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, it gives you outside shooting, then it gives you a veteran, um, not only that has great character for your locker room, but is able to help um, some of the young guys like uh, Chetty Osman, um, 
that you know we'll talk about in just a little bit um, really kind of helps him uh, develop. And, and I think with Corver, a lot of people were saying, well, that's a lot of money to to throw at Corver. But I mean, what he's done um, in Atlanta, Utah. I know he played for Philly, and then of course for Cleveland. I mean, great yeah, career. Work. Oh yeah, Chicago yeah. team. Yeah, those couple um, years with the Bulls. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, MVP, uh, years, uh, year for Rose, 2010-2011. I can't believe I forgot that. Um, yeah, but what, what he does on the floor, just the ability to space it and you cannot leave him at all. Um, you know, it's huge for what LeBron James does. Um, if, if Kyrie Irving is in fact there, it helps him as well. So, you know, just good. Good guy all the way around. So nothing I can say negative about Porter. Yeah, and I, and I, so I just looked him up, and uh, if you're listening to this show, we're not breaking any news here, but shout out to Basketball Reference. Just, I mean, what a tool. You know, I, I these these guys, this this so much information there. You know, if you're you're trying to do anything with the NBA, you, you know, obviously you've got that site bookmarked, and you're probably in it every day, as I know I am. But Corver, so here's where it is. People are like, oh, he's slowing down. He's not as good. Led the league in three-point shooting again last year. This is why I wanted to look it up, 45.1%. And this is after a down year at 39.8% with Atlanta in his last full year down there. So his last uh, couple his, And he was hurt, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. so the, these these were his um, three first three full years in Atlanta, 457 47.2 led the league, 49.2 led the league, then – dipped, you know, all, all the way to the horrible 39.8, which is still probably most teams. Yeah, is he injured and shoot like yeah. that? Come on. And he got it through 80 games that year. Um, per, yeah. And then 45.1, including 48.5% with Cleveland. So, you know, for all those people, yes, he is 35 years old, I think, might have just turned. Yeah, he's 36 now, so he turned 36 in March. I know a lot of people are, you know, he's old, he's slowing down. He keeps himself in phenomenal shape. He is one of those, he was one of those early guys who was all about his workouts, you know, and all the things he does, um, as a kind of a workout warrior. So phenomenal shape, incredible shooter. I wouldn't worry about at all. You know, I I think this contract will be fine all the way to the end. And, you know, and Mm -hmm. all these people then, you know, and then once you kind of convince them there, well, he stinks on defense. It's not as bad as people think. He, now he's not a good defender by no means, but he's fine in the team system. You know, he can, can do enough, you know, in there. And he, you know, and, and, and to go back to those three point attempts, these are on, you know, big attempt numbers. These are, you know, nearly six attempts per game. So you're not talking, you guys only taking two or three. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that deal. Where it may not make sense is if the Cavs turn into a rebuilding team, but at that point you flip them off for some, some sort of asset to another team and figure it out from there. So, um, now let's get into the guys that they brought in. So let's start, um, with the big name, Derek Rose. He, he was one of their later sign, or actually he's their latest signing. One year minimum contract came in to presumably be the backup point guard, but maybe the starter if a Kyrie Irving trade goes down, which we, I promise we will talk about before the show ends. Um, but Derek Rose comes in one year minimum deal. So let's, let's work under the assumption we have now that Irving is on the team. What does Rose bring the Cavs as the backup point guard? Scoring because he does not facilitate. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he did actually, he looked like he was going to make it through the season kind of unscathed last year. Um, and I was like, okay, he's looking good. And then 
you know, another injury hit. Um, with Rose, obviously lost the athleticism with, you know, major injuries to his knees. But I think he still has the effective ability to um, kind of get in the lane. I just wish he would utilize that to facilitate more. And the trouble I have with him is um, that he's not a very good three-point shooter. So now losing that little bit of athleticism, teams are going to be able to kind of clamp down more on him. So he's decided to take that little mid-range shot that's kind of like a little bank floater. I don't know what you really would call it. Um, and sometimes it's effective, sometimes it's not. So why not do the perfect thing and, and you know, drive in, make people play on you, pass it out to a guy um, like a Kyle Korver on the wing, you know, boom, you got a three, you know, three points on the board right there. That would be a perfect scenario. The question's going to be, is his mindset going to be, I'm not MVP Derrick Rose anymore. I'm okay being a backup, doing what I need to do to to make this second team uh, run effectively. Yeah, so let's break down Rose a little bit here. He's going to turn 29 right before the start of the season. He's 29 with a 49-year-old's knees. <laughs> um, but he last season with the Knicks, so this is, I think, some things, I think, kind of adding on to what you were saying. These are things I don't think people realize. He played in the second most games since his All-Star years in his MVP season, which was 64. And some of that was the Knicks shut him down early. And then he averaged 18 points per game. That's his most since his last All-Star season. He shot 47.1% from the field, which is the most since his second year in the league. He has essentially stopped taking three-pointers altogether. He takes less than one a game. He, This is the challenge, though, right? You said it. Now he only 4.4 assists per game. Now, the Knicks were, quite frankly, a mess. But it's not like he wasn't working with guys he could have found on drives to the basket. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Mello, you got Kristaps Porzingis. They had other quality guys out there. Courtney Lee on the wing as a shooter. Justin Holiday, who we mentioned in the Bulls portion of the show. He could have found more guys. I think on a second unit, what he becomes is he almost is like a Jamal Crawford, but not the same, not as a shooter, but as a driver. So I think he becomes a guy who he could carry the second unit for the Cavs and really give them, you know, 15, 20 minutes a night where they could sit LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love and a whole bunch of guys and just say, hey, go, go nuts. Because he proved he can still get by starting point guards. And now what Mm -hmm. he does is he's obviously lost some of his quickness and athleticism. But what he does now is he uses his strength to get inside and power over guys because he's still pretty strong. And he's still a pretty big guy. He's six, six foot three, I think, which a lot of people, people forget about Derrick Rose. He's, he's, you know, he's not, he's not tiny out there. So, you know, I, it's one of those ones I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go crazy and I'm not super excited about it, but I think it's perfectly fine. And, and there's an old saying in the NBA, you can never go wrong with the minimum unless you play the guy too much. And I think Rose is going to be just fine. Now, the other point guard they signed 
Uh, that I don't know. <laughs> Jose Calderon <laughs> comes in, one-year contract, minimum deal. If Calderon's their, their third point guard and he plays on the nights as the backup when Rose needs a night off or Rose slides up to start and Kyrie gets a night off, that's probably fine. You know, Calderon, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't, never hurts you on offense. This guy never turns the ball over. Can still shoot it a little bit. He can't, can't defend, never could. Um, but, yo, know, it's just one of those, that's just one of those kind of, eh, it's a veteran. Well, he's, he's not going to be able to play consistent minutes if Rose, say Rose goes down with another injury. Yeah, that's Kyrie, the challenge, yeah. Kyrie's not there. And then you've got basically a toss up between Jose Calderon and Kay Felder. So that's not going to be good for. Yeah, if Kyrie's the not there, there, that might be the worst point guard group in the league. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, you know, off the top of my head, I'm struggling to come up with a worse one. And then the other veteran signing that they brought in, Jeff Green, another minimum contract guy. He, you know, comes in. He's going to be really sliding there. I think he finally a team didn't overpay him. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. After I, well, you know, Jeff Green is uh, he's got more than enough to live off of. He made he's made money the last couple of couple of rounds that he probably should, quite frankly, should not have. Um, but you know, he's a guy who can come in and play behind LeBron James and Kevin Love. Perfectly fine at both forward spots without an issue. Can still defend a little bit, can do do some things. If you are a Cavaliers fan and you're going to watch Jeff Green regularly for the first time, there's going to be a night when you're going to be like, this guy is awesome. We need to play him more. We could even trade Kevin Love and start him. And then for the next four nights, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, Jeff Green's on the team. I forgot about that. You know, and you'll have vodka ready right next to you. Yeah, he just <laughs> – yeah. <laughs> Every time he chucks up a bad shot or, or tries to drive and, and it goes nowhere. Yeah, he is just one of those guys where it's like, what in the world is – you know, why are you so wildly inconsistent? You know, but And I, I was so high on him when he got drafted. Like when he was going uh, to uh, Seattle, Seattle and Oklahoma City – um, I was like, okay, you know, he's going to be good, you know, good power forward, you know, can really do some things offensively. And then it just kind of drifted downward from there, sadly. You know what I think? He He's going to help them more in the regular season, I think, than the playoffs. Because what he'll be able to do is he'll be able to, again, play behind LeBron, but more importantly, play behind Kevin Love. Because that's what they don't have on the roster right now is they don't have anybody who can play credible minutes at the four behind love. And that's where I think green slides in because Fry can't do it because he can't defend the position. Thompson is a five. So you, you, that's where you don't want to be using LeBron James at the four in the regular season. It's just not, right. you know, it's just not a smart use of, you know, one of the, one of, if not the single best asset in all of basketball. So I think that's where he's going to help them quite a bit, but it wouldn't surprise me if by the time we get the playoffs, if he's, you know, almost out of the rotation and has disappeared from that point. So then the other uh, addition to the Cavaliers, this one's been, we've been waiting on this one for a little bit. Chetty Osman is finally coming over to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They signed him three years, 8.3 million. What they did was they used part of the taxpayer mid-level exception to pay Osman. They gave him three fully guaranteed seasons, 2.6 million, 2.8 million, 2.9 million um, is what he's going to get to come to Cleveland. He's an interesting kind of guy. He is a um he's probably more of a guard than a forward, but more of a true wing at the size. He's about six foot eight um kid. Mm-hmm. He you know pretty pretty tough minded kid. I know you've watched him a little bit, so he fill fill people in on what they can expect out of Chetty Osman. Well he played in the Euro League for um Anadolo FAs 
um, the past couple of seasons, he can kind of do a mixture of things. He can shoot uh, from three. He can slash and transition. He doesn't rebound very much. Like he's not really an athletic guy that's going to go after rebounds, kind of hustle in the defensive end. He's going to be raw. So if you're Cleveland, I would not expect him. Number one, I would not expect him to be in the rotation year one. Um, number two, when he does get in, it's going to be, he's going to make mistakes, um, defensively as most rookies do. But I would look for him to, you know, kind of, um, shoot the ball from three more so than anything. And as he kind of develops to the NBA speed, then you'll see him kind of do some things more, you know, off the dribble, getting to the rim, things like that. But, um, very raw. Um, but I'm glad they brought him over because I was kind of curious to see how long it was going to take um, for for him to to get over to America. Yeah, you know, and that, that, yeah, I'm, it's always these guys who get kind of drafted and we build them up forever. And unfortunately, the track record isn't always great. So I hope he can break that and be a really good player. Beyond that, the Cavs are they're going to look remarkably the same as of let's see, it's about nine o'clock at night on. Thursday, August 17th, we are waiting just like everybody else, and I can tell you the NBA world is waiting to see what happens. Are they going to trade Kyrie Irving? So we we don't want to be the last ones to break down should they or shouldn't they, because I, I know from my standpoint is, no, you shouldn't trade Kyrie Irving. You, you've been in the NBA Finals three years in a row. You won one. You were right in the mix on another one. Last year didn't go exactly how expected, but, you know, you, you should be there again if you just run things back. And Kyrie's young. He's great. He's a superstar NBA player. But it seems like he doesn't want to be there. And he wants to, to get out of town. So we're going to break that down. So I'm going to flip it to you, Pete, is will Kyrie Irving be a Cleveland Cavalier at the start of the season? I don't think he will be. I think at this point, um, you know, Cleveland is just kind of visiting – all options that are coming in, they want to make the best move possible because they're looking at two kind of two sides of the coin. One, all right, if we don't think that LeBron James is going to resign with us in twenty eight in the twenty eighteen off season, then we need to make sure that we get enough back that can kind of really um, make a spark for the team going forward. If we are going to get him back, then we need to be a more veteran laden team, not these young guys that we're kind of looking for. So there's two different sides to it, but I think at the end of the day, I don't know that it's a smart decision on Kyrie's, um, you know, kind of thought process because if LeBron is gone next season, then you have a team to yourself, um, anyway, and you've already won there. Um, you've won a championship. I don't know going to, I don't know, just throwing a team out there, going to Phoenix, you know, you're, you're not building that team to a championship contender in the next year or two, um, unless somehow, you know, Groups of guys, you know, start texting each other and everything kind of bands together. But um, overall, I mean, if if I was Cleveland, I would just say, too bad, so sad, you're going to have to play it out. There's two years left on your contract. Hate it for you. Yeah, I I just don't think they can. I think that's the, the challenges. I don't think you can. It sounds like that situation is bad. And, yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I know I was listening to uh, Bill Simmons and Kevin O'Connor. One of the things he threw out there is, why don't you just trade LeBron if he's going to leave now? And I was like, oh, man, like that, like it, it it seems like, holy crap, you can't do that. But then in some retrospect, it's like, you know, it, if people don't know, I root for the Patriots out in my, my football fandom. 
one of the things Bill Belichick does is there's no emotion in these decisions. You just, you know, you cut, trade, move on from guys. If it's what's best for the team, and it's like, maybe that is what you're going to do. You're just going to say, all right, let's move on. You know, let's, let's, uh, if LeBron's not committing to staying, maybe we got to go. Now that clearly kicks off the rebuild, but that's where you're likely headed anyway. But back to Kyrie, it just feels like this decision is just, it's ugly. It's no, you know, it's just, it's going to be bad. I don't think you can bring, you know, bring him back and just roll it out there and be like, hey, everything's fine. You know, we'll figure this out. You know, I just, I, I don't know. It's people, a lot of people are suggesting, well, maybe they wait to, to the middle of December when guys, the NBA rules. That would be are, terrible. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But to explain why people are suggesting that is NBA rules are if you sign a guy over the summer before or on or before September 15th, you have to wait till December 15th to be able to trade him. That's essentially so you can't sign a guy over the summer and be like, oh, you know what? We don't want him. Let's, you know, get somebody else. You're not allowed to do that. So one of the things we see happen then is these teams, they, they hang on to these guys. And that's, it's funny because this is one of the things that the people are always like, it opens up the trade. You know, that's when the trade windows really open up. Rarely do we see a team signed a guy over the summer and less than six months later they trade him. Doesn't usually happen that way. So, so I don't, I don't, I don't buy into that. And also, you can't do that anyway. That's two months into the year. You're gonna have two months of just guys who don't want to be together, together. So it's curious, you know, well, training camps will open up in a little over than a, a month from now. Hard, hard as that is to believe. Um, so I, I personally, I'm a, I don't think he's there to start the year. So, um, to go on to the Cavs, they obviously have no cap space left. They are one of the highest tax paying teams in the NBA. They've got about $2.5 million of their taxpayer exception left. They still need, in my mind, another quality big man. They are still really shy in that department. I, I just spent time talking about Jeff Green as the backup <laughs> foreman. Um, and nobody wants that. So, you know, they, they've got to figure, figure something. Oops, sorry, I hit my mic there. Got to figure out something to get another quality big in, uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So now we're going to kick it to stock up, stock down. And I'm going to go to you first, Pete. Stock up, stock down on the Cavs. Stock down, man, because these rumors of LeBron not resigning, Kyrie wanting out, they didn't really do anything in the offseason. They whiffed on on the Paul George trade. Um, man, they didn't get Jimmy Butler. It's like, what? how could you say stock up? And I know they went to the finals the last, what, three years in a row, but this may be the year that they don't make it. Yeah, you know, the, the, the Celtics are certainly improved and better. They're going to be there. I think the Wizards are going to be a good team. The Bucks are on their way up. The Raptors are still around. Then you've got a handful of other teams starting to move up the ladder in the, the NBA's East. Um, it's not the West where everybody's good, but it is a, you know, yeah, I, I will, I'm in agreement with you stock down. It's going to be stock way down if they move either Kyrie or LeBron. It just, you know, obviously there, there's no way they come out of either one of those trades better for this season. Uh, it's just impossible. You can't move guys that are that talented and, and somehow be better. So I would be really surprised if they're better. But, you know, on that note, they, they've been in the finals three years in a row and they won a championship. So I don't know that you can really be too upset if you're a Cavs fan, even if this is it. That it all kind of comes crumbling down here, even just a Cleveland sports fan. Um, they are, you know, the most successful team you've had in town in years and actually got it done and brought you a championship. So, you know, I don't, I don't know that you can go too 
too crazy if it all kind of falls apart here. You know, I know you don't want to see LeBron leave again, but if that's going to happen, you know, he came came home, he delivered on his mission, he got a title for Cleveland. And you got to get something for him this time. Yeah, absolutely. That's the other thing. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't just let him walk. That that's the other thing that's tricky here. Is you know now. It's it's so tough, right? Because it's you know it's just the whole thought of do you trade LeBron James? You know how how you know how how could you do it? But you know I'm not sure that's uh, what Kobe Altman wants to be. You know on his uh, legacy that he's the guy who sent LeBron out of town. But I'm with you if 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 he's clear to you, like I'm out, I'm leaving, I'm going west. You know, all indications are he wants to be in Los Angeles. Then, yeah, then you do have to do something because you can't. Yeah, you can't do that. You you can't. You know, you can't. Uh, you can't just watch him walk away again for nothing. And it would be doubly as hurtful if you traded Kyrie Irving earlier to do that. Which is, you know, it sounds like what's holding up the Irving trade is that they're insisting on young pieces, and that's what they should do. Because if you want to bounce back, you need to have an Andrew Wiggins or Jason Tatum. Those are a couple names that have been linked um, that the Cavs have interest in. You've got to have a guy like that to rebuild around if that's what you're going to do. So so with that, we're going to close it out here. We talked to Chicago Bulls and the Cleveland Cavaliers as we get back into our offseason reviews. A um, little, little bit different. We, we'll, we'll, we'll talk our kind of season predictions and those things as we get closer to the season a couple months from now. Two months from today, believe it or not, is opening night um, in the NBA. Which is just uh, it's it's wow it's both too far away and, and far too close yeah. <laughs> you know at the same time it's a little little nerve wracking to think about it uh, being you know virtually upon us here but you know one of the things um, that we're going to continue here is we're going to continue now that Pete and I are both uh, I think our calendars and lives are getting back to normal a little bit more mm-hmm. we're going to get back into a regular recording schedule and we're going to knock out the remainder of these teams the next up we're going to talk to Dallas Mavericks and the Denver Nuggets so we're we're finally heading west, Pete. We're getting into the Western Conference. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, we go alphabetical by city, and the first handful are all Eastern Conference teams. But I'm excited to get into the West. Uh, you know, I'm really excited to talk about the Nuggets because they're, you know, I think have the potential to be a really fun team. But you know, we're, we're, we won't get into that now. We'll, we'll get into that on the next episode. Once again, this has been the NBA Front Office Show. I'm your host, Keith Smith. I've been joined by Pete Toll. Pete, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and social media. Um, mainly all I use is Twitter, so you can find me at Pete Toll MBA. So it's P E T E T O A L M B A. Absolutely. And you can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. Um, but mostly at this point now, I'm, I'm tweeting out camp signings and the likes of those as a lot of those are happening and a lot of international signings as, uh, NBA and NBA fringe players head overseas. Uh, for that bigger money, that's that's where the focus is now. As teams are kind of filling it out, uh, I know talking with a lot of folks with NBA teams, they are not they they love what the season season starting earlier brings in terms of more days off and no four games and five nights and less back to backs. They don't like that it shortened down their summer a little bit. That's not a, anything is a fan, anyone seems to be a fan of. And no one is happy that this Kyrie Irving drama is, is still floating out here as we head into late August and we don't have all the roster settled. Normally teams are more or less on vacation at this point for about a month or so until everybody you know, regroups in the 
middle of September ish and gets back in the gym. But, but we, uh, you know, we'll, we will endeavor if a Kyrie Irving trade breaks, we will come back probably with a special show just to break that one down. Um, or we will, if it happens on the day we happen to be recording, we'll lead off that show with the Kyrie Irving trade if, if it does, you know, ultimately end up happening. But once again, this is the NBA front office show. If you've enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes and give us a five star rating and review. We would really appreciate it. We are part of the Almighty Baller Network, and we will talk to you next time. And now, an ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. And then you can save up for a, I don't know, a really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. All right, let's pull up over here and drop a line. Are your feet wet? My feet are wet. Here's the drain plug. You put the plug in the drain, right? Ah, it's on the dock. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.